and hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show, covering all the latest and greatest, and what may happen in the world of PlayStation, because we do have some big news to talk about this week in the world of acquisitions and things, of third parties, but we've also got uh, some big questions about what the future of PlayStation may hold as we start to get into what is normally the summer event season, uh, we're at the beginning of May, and, and we'll see where things go from there. Uh, but before we get to that, I'm joined this week by Jada Griffin. Hello, hello. And it's just me this week. I have nobody else on my screen in front of me but you, Jonathan. So it's just me and you today talking about games. There is no third person, regardless of what you might see in the uh, the show later when it posts. Well, then we're either in a situation where uh, I have created a, a fictional character that is my inner voice, and we're going to get into a very fun, like, you know, uh, growing up sort of story about my, my own psyche and my own thoughts, or we're also joined this week by Mark Medina. My money don't jiggle jiggle, it folds, Jonathan Dornbush. I am here whether Jada wants me here or not. God. That and, was uh, where you went? <laughs> that was the... <laughs> All right. <laughs> What's so funny is that I heard that song like six months ago. Why is it the trend on TikTok now? Because that's that's all that matters, man. It doesn't matter why something trends or how it trends. All that matters is the trend. That's true. That I get true. for anyone... Yep. For, for anyone who doesn't know, I guess, I don't know if an old man explaining TikToks is really the thing to do here for me. But uh, yeah, the, the the sound that you're referencing from the TikTok trend, my favorite part about it is the dead-eyed stare that everyone does. I think the dance mm -hmm. and the whole, the, whole, the whole shtick of it isn't funny unless you are just looking miserable in the video. Yeah, well, I think because in the original video, it's like the lady and she's like, do you know the rap? And he starts, he just starts rapping and she's just like, <laughs> she's yep. just like looking at him just stone -faced. No one, like, it's, it's so good also happy may the 4th to you both yes yeah indeed. happy may the 4th um mm -hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna kick start off a few one one or two things real quick uh a uh i told mark in our slack conversation before that uh there's a reason why uh you know with the, the severance opinions that they're you know everybody has it the same everybody who you know and that the reason why oh, yeah you know, you know the reason why, Mark? It's because why? everybody's allowed to have an opinion, and I respect it. That is the reason oh. why. That is the, that is the common there thing we did everybody. You were expecting something much worse when I told you that everybody I, who I overhypes severance has one thing in common. I know. <laughs> we were having a conversation. Have I, was like, I was like, the show is so good. And she's like, you know, everybody likes severance. They have something in common. I was like, oh, gosh, what's it going to be? They have right. opinions. That's what Apparently it is. Apparently, it's that we have opinions. I thought um, it was gonna be like, yeah, and I respect it. Speaking of the opinions, the, uh, this week I do want to just start off. Rather than a TV show, I do want to recommend. I did put it in my background for anyone watching the video. Uh, as it is May the Fourth, if I can give one recommendation, I think I've mentioned it on the show before. But if you really enjoy Star Wars, if you're looking for like more Star Wars stuff and you haven't read, there it is. If you're if you're watching the video, if you haven't read the High Republic yet at all, please read the High Republic. I've been spending the last like two weeks reading all of the books. I'm starting the comics, everything. It is legitimately some of my favorite Star Wars ever and some of the best Star. Wars of the last like you know decade whatever uh it's really good it's really fun if you enjoy the like jedi aspect of it all and want to see more jedi doing awesome stuff uh and and a lot of really uh really great storytelling really emotional stuff surprisingly moving uh in a lot of ways go check all of that out it's really really good i just want to say that because it's great and it's may the fourth um Jada, before before we get to my my trophy test, did you have another thing that you wanted to mention? I did, I did. I went Go and ahead. saw everything everywhere all at <sighs> once yesterday. 
Yay. You guys overhyped it again. No. Why are you are listening you? to no, everything? No, no, no. Okay. That one I refuse this, to okay. take. All right, all right. The movie was amazing. One of the best yes. movies I have seen this year. But you guys, everybody keeps talking about these things as being like the next like messiah of this genre and things like that. And like, don't get me wrong, they did amazing work with the multiverse. They did such, and messiah was a, a placement word for something I was like could not think of at the time. So <laughs> please do not crucify me. I am just on that kick apparently today. Easter was um, a few weeks ago. Easter was a few weeks ago. <laughs> <She's> still celebrating. <laughs> I'm still celebrating. There's eggs still somewhere hidden in my house. Um. <laughs> Um, no, I loved the movie. It was really good. I do feel like it was a little overhyped, so I went in expecting a lot more. Um, but it was re done really well. I was just really sad that I didn't cry during the movie. Everybody's like, oh my god, I cried, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I didn't cry. And I cry at everything. I cry, oh, I hmm. cry watching, like, anime. Like, I, I, I cry a lot. We're gonna, this one just we're gonna did not talk to after me. the show. Because there's, there's there's something very specific that that movie is about that I'm I'm worried that people are missing out on and so mm -hmm. it's it's something I'm curious I, I I'd love to know but it's literally the ending of the movie so I, yeah. won't. I won't. Well, anyway, let's not do that and let's get into the the PlayStation of it all for, for the week with the answer to a trophy test from last week. I, I ended last week's show on a cliffhanger trophy test question. I'm keeping them to single trophy tests. I don't want to, you know, belabor the point each week or anything like that. Uh, last week, I asked a The Stanley Parable trophy question. Now, these were, were trophies that technically have been PC and uh, Steam achievements and things like that before. So they've been out there. They've been out in the the universe. But I asked which of these was real and which wasn't. Uh, the, the two that I had mentioned were... Uh, is it Commitment, which is play the Stanley Parable for the entire duration of a Tuesday? Uh, or On the Dot, start a new game of the Stanley Parable exactly at noon? Your standard time, you know, the time of your console, of course. Um, with that said, those are the, the questions I got. A, a viewer or listener did write in with the correct question or answer. But before we get there, uh, Mark and Jada, Mark, I'll start with you. What was your, uh, what's your answer to this? So the whole, like, starting a game at a very specific time, I feel like is something that's been done before the whole like making your console run for 24 hours i don't know that's a tough one so yeah i'm gonna go with the on the dot one i i, I think it's like start right at a certain point you said like noon right yes yeah yeah and uh jada what about you I'm going the opposite way because I forgot both of the answers and then vaguely remembered that one of the answers was commitment. So I'm going with commitment because I'm not afraid of that. <laughs> well, that is the answer. answer. The answer, uh, as Kahal wrote in to beyond at IGN.com with the correct answer, is indeed commitment. Yes. Spend a whole Tuesday playing it. That is the uh, correct answer for the Stanley Parable. That's a long. Test. That's a long time. So what do you do? You just keep the game running for. I think you just leave it. Yeah, because originally it was a PC hours. game, so I guess you just leave right. it running in the background of your PC. Um, right. I mean, yeah. or you just play for twenty four hours straight. Come on, oh my god, that hard, guys. I guess, yeah. I gotta sleep at some point. <laughs> um, I'll have a Star Wars themed trivia test question for you all at the end of this week's show that I am very proud of because it involves. A planet pun. But before we get there, Tatooine. We have... <laughs> That's the answer. <laughs> we do have some PlayStation things to talk about. We we do have a few news pieces to get to and an interview coming up later in the show with the some of the developers of Trek to Yomi, which is out this week on PS4 and PS5. But before we get to any of that, we wanted to do a little bit of a check-in because as I mentioned, 
May has begun. We are sort of in as silly as it is, even though it is still spring. The summer event season uh, is starting to kick up. We're getting information and dates. We know things like EA is not planning to do an event. Xbox announced their date for their showcase. Obviously, we know E3 is not happening this year, excuse me, uh, but IGN will be doing its own uh, Summer of Gaming. Uh, Jeff Keighley announced the return of Summer Games Fest. So we know that the summer is starting to get rolling and things are starting to be planned and announced. And PlayStation hasn't announced anything just yet. So while we still have some wiggle room to discuss what could be announced. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know why. Did you say that funny on purpose? <laughs> no? Okay. Maybe it's just me. Just that Mark, really apparently. We got some wiggle room. <laughs> maybe it's just because you're thinking of the TikTok sound. It's still the, stuck in my head. Yeah. And so I think you just said it right when it was playing in my head. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Good to know. I'll try to avoid any of the iggle I need words, to, I, I guess. Need to... <laughs> um, needs to be an iggle-free podcast. <laughs> we're going to be uh, speculating a little bit, sort of taking a stock of what we do and don't know about what's coming with PlayStation, uh, both through the rest of the year as well as future-looking, um, and, and what potentially could be at a summer showcase. Um, for reference, I, I've talked about it a bit on the show before, uh, but definitely if you're curious about sort of the, the history of PlayStation showcases, go to IGN.com. We have a history of PlayStation State of Plays and, and PlayStation showcases. Obviously, the showcases are the big, you know, showpiece ones where they seem to announce the big first-party stuff. State of Plays are a little bit more focused on third parties and indies. Showcases can have that, of course, but not always. Um, for the last few years, PlayStation has had a State of Play or some sort of showcase piece in May. Uh, I believe it's been State of Plays for the last three years. Uh, Horizon was last year. The year before that was The Last of Us, I believe, uh, in May. Yeah, The Last of Us Part Two State of Play. Uh, and the, as well as the the Ghost of Tsushima state of play, they, they were both in May. And then in 2019, that was one of the first state of plays. That was sort of their, uh, we're not at E3 this year, so we're doing this. That was when they showed FF7 remake gameplay for the first time. Uh, you know, that game's renewal and everything. So they've done May state of plays before. But their big showcases have primarily been June uh, with the June 2020 showcase and then July with a, a showcase last year. So we're probably looking at a summer showcase um at this point obviously the question is do we get another state of play in may or do they just wait for something later in in the summer and so before we get into the specifics of what we hope to see what we think might realistically be shown what we don't think will be shown in the, in the coming months i did want us to again i know we put some uh dates and times at the beginning of this year uh kind of on the books but knowing where we are now that we're in may when and where do we think uh, the showcase is going to happen if we're going to get a summer one? And I think we're all pretty confident that there's going to be something this summer from PlayStation. It's too unknown what the future is going to look like. Um, but Mark, I'll start with you. If you had to put a, even just a week on it, when do you think this summer showcase is going to happen? I'm hearing a lot of late May, which is, I think, very just, like, hopeful for people because that's soon and it would be, like, before the Xbox showcase. Um, but that is, like, the big rumor. But I any any episode we could say this is the big rumor and it's always a couple weeks out. But I, I've heard May tossed around a lot um, only because, you know, there, there was also a, a potential, like, not really a leak, but there's a big rumor about a very big video game coming out soon that they're that people have done weird math on, and it's like, well, if this game's coming out uh, 
speaking specifically about God of War, people are guessing that it's going to come out in September. And so it's like, okay, well, if this is going to come out then, then they need this much time for marketing and blah, 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 blah. Um, I, I'll say late May only because I have nothing else to go off of. <laughs> Fair enough. And yeah, we'll get to the God of War of it all. There's there's definitely a lot of interesting things, I think, for those who maybe don't follow a lot of Santa Monica uh, developers, Sony Santa Monica. A lot of them have been like, in the last few weeks, hey, my time at Santa Monica is over. It's been a great uh, path. I'm excited to see Ragnarok. So clearly, you know, things are, are shaping up there, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Jada, where are you at in terms of timing for the state, gonna put, uh, state gonna of go, player showcase i'm gonna go very specific i'm gonna say it's gonna be may 30th so second to last day of the month so that's a monday and it's gonna happen <laughs> at 1 p.m it's gonna be a Jesus. 1 p.m show i'm going all very right. specific on this 5 30 yeah. 1 p.m that's where we're going she's putting all her chips on this one thing <laughs> but if she's Mark, correct Mark, i'm putting all my eggs in my basket because I'm sick of my Easter cake. Easter. Come on, Easter. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even do anything Lent, for Easter this year. <laughs> Lent is 40 days, and then you celebrate Easter for 40 days. That's, of course, how Easter yep. works. Um, oh interesting. So you you both think, and, and I'm talking specifically here about a showcase, not necessarily a yep. God of War specific state of play. Yes. You both I know, think because I, I think the showcase and a God of War specific state of play are two different things, right? Mm-hmm. A showcase is where That's we're what going I mean. to see yeah. another like minute or two long and then probably a release date. And then we'll get our 18-minute state of play, and that'll come later. But I yeah. think a showcase where they're going to announce the release date for God of War, because that's like their biggest thing right now, is like... There's nothing else in the way of God of War, right? That's the only game anybody cares about, so we need to know the release date for that. I think that that is coming very soon. Interesting. I'm thinking um, the May 30th showcase or state of play is going to be new PS Plus stuff. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be some type of trailer for something, and then it's going to be like, and here are the titles that we're gonna you guys can expect to see on the new PS Plus in two weeks or whatnot. Because I think for us it's two weeks. It is, but it will be out in yeah, some I'll, territories. By it'll now. be out in some territories, but I, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. so we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I think we're gonna. I think we'll get more of a more of a lineup for it. That I mean, maybe because what it drops with the twenty eighth, I think for the Asia, Asia mi- minus Japan. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's I, the Saturday well, before. So interesting. I I have a very different date then. So we'll we'll this will be fun to see uh, how off I am. But I have a very specific inside source here. I am banking on one of the last two weeks of June. Mm. Okay. If I had to put a date on it, I would say either one of those Wednesdays, the 22nd or the 29th or the 23rd, which is uh, a Thursday. Uh, And the reason I'm saying that my deep inside source that I will reveal to you all right now is my calendar. Because you see, I'm going on vacation that week. (laughs) And the video game industry loves to break big news when I'm not at work. It has been my plight ever since I started as a news editor at IGN. Whenever I took even a day, it's like, here's some big news for you. And what better time for PlayStation to announce a big showcase with God of War, with all of their other big upcoming games that I might be excited for, Horizon VR, maybe a new Astros, maybe Spider-Man 2. Wouldn't the best time be when I'm not at a computer, when I'm sure. on a beach yep, 100%. and getting bad service and enjoying my time, and I can't watch the God of War trailer because of the glare of the sun? Are you actually going to a beach for your vacation? I am, yes. I'm going to Hawaii. Nice! Enjoy. So... 
Thank you. It's my, it'll be my first time. So uh, I am very, very confidently saying that because I won't be at work, it's going to be one of those last two weeks of June, most likely. Uh, I'm, I'm leaving in the middle of one week, coming back the middle of the next. So I think it will be some at some point in that time off or literally the day I come back. So I have to scramble to do work. Um, that's a that's a more reliable source than than Twitter rumors. So I hundred <laughs> percent. I would like I would like to change my days. That's fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> hey, feel free, feel free to jump on the, on the hype train. I'm just saying, I've talked about days off before on the show, and then suddenly there's big news. I'm not saying yeah. it's because it's Shuhei she listens, listens to us. Exactly. Yeah. Shuhei, I'm not saying it's because you hear that and and you just want to have some fun with my life. I hope I hope it is, but uh, no. That I'm actually going to say in within that last week, week and a half of June. I think um, I you know it'll be a far enough away thing. We know that Summer Game Fest will probably have some stuff in June. We know the Xbox showcases in June. Um, I, I think PlayStation will kind of want to have the room to itself, even if it's just for a few days. And going at the end of June lets them have the conversation going into the rest of the summer. Um, whereas going too early, they then have everyone else who can respond to them it, to yeah. a certain degree. No, that's um, a good point. But we'll see. I, I think, you know, both of you for, for a late May thing, it is interesting because I do think we're, we've seen them do stuff in May so often that mm -hmm. it's strange not to have a May thing, especially, Mark, as you were saying, like with God of War being this looming question for everyone. Um, but I do wonder, and I guess that brings us to the next one, and I do want to talk about some other stuff. But of course, how are we all feeling about God of War release date timing now? Yeah. Shoe, I, I want to mention, while we're on the topic of shoe, we're, we're in, the, we're in, in the shoe hour. Uh, he started playing <laughs> Fall Guys again. It doesn't give us any hints towards anything, but I just thought, like, okay, <laughs> the king's back. He's playing Fall Guys again. I saw that. I thought that, that, I thought that, that was interesting. I okay. Uh, God of War. <laughs> I can't wait for the Reddit thread about that. Thought that was interesting. <laughs> I, I thought that, that was. I was like, this is interesting. Um, God of War. There was a little bit of a, and this is like a really like obscure kind of thing, but there was a little bit of a back end leak, a, a rumored leak of of a leak that wouldn't really make any sense, but. Uh, basically, they're they're guessing that it's September 30th. People are claiming that there was something in the back end of PlayStation that showed a placeholder date for God of War for September 30th, which is a Friday. But also but. worth pointing out, I, I um, with placeholder dates, if you ever see the end of a month, just for those out there, that often means it's because it's the end of a quarter, which September. Right, exactly, and so, so it's like it's, and, and the thing is, I never really even saw something super substantial about that leak itself so it's like a back-end date doesn't really tell you a lot and then these like weird rumors about a back-end date is like even further removed that said september could make sense <laughs> like it yeah. like it's that's not out of the that's not out of the ballpark like they playstation has traditionally not really cared about your know, fall release dates and so I, I think it's totally viable for that game. We know, I, I seriously doubt the game is within the next month or two, right? Just with as quiet as they've been. I doubt they're going to be like, and it's releasing next month. But I also don't expect them to wait till fall, right? So I do expect, I, I, I wouldn't surprise me if September ends up being uh, a date they like. Yeah. So. That, that, that'll be a, an uneducated guess. <laughs> I'm sticking with my August 4th date. 
That's what I'm I sticking like with. I said that I on mean, a yeah. previous podcast, and I'm going to yeah. stick with it. Sure. August is not bad either. What's interesting yeah. is with with uh, PlayStation, Mark, you're pointing to the timing. I do think that if if that a date like that in the back end, often those are just placeholder things that don't mean anything. If it were to mean anything to me, it would mean that third quarter of the year somewhere in there, which would be July through September. What's interesting right. to me about that, though, is that like... PlayStation has, as you were saying, they don't typically care about falls unless they're like launching a new console. Spider-Man, you know, being a a bit of an exception in uh, Mm -hmm. September 2018. But the last few years, they've been pretty quiet. But they also just kind of are willing to put things out whenever they want to. Now it feels like. It could just be it's ready during fall like yeah it could just be like we don't we don't care about fall because that's just not when the games were ready because technically forbidden west was supposed to come out i guess it would have been winter but like that game was supposed to come out in december yeah but then but then it got delayed right but like god of war one was or 2018 was spring and the last of us was june and ghost of tsushima was was july oh okay so like I don't know. It it wouldn't surprise me for them to stick with this like summer release cadence, so September or August. And and Ghost created this really interesting thing because I think we talk a lot about and, and we were talking about this before the show, but like, you know, we're in a bit of what people are calling a a drought of new releases. It, it's a relatively quiet time. We don't really know when the new release faucet is going to turn back on and things are going to come out. Not that I think anyone is really. Uh, you know, scrounging for a good game to play. There are still so many games in my backlog, let alone just games this year I'm catching up on. But um, what what's interesting about that is typically the summer is not a time when you release big games, but PlayStation has released big games in June all the time. Ratchet and Clank, Last of Us Part Two, Last of Us One. Like they, they love June. June works really well. And then Ghost of Tsushima was a July release and that was the biggest new franchise for them in the PS4 generation, it sold like crazy in July, a time when typically people say you don't release games because it's quiet. So like, yeah, I'm I'm very much, I think September makes sense, like early, early September, um, but I could very just as easily see August, like Jada, to your point. I think we've seen successful August launches. I think one of the most notable to me was Batman Arkham, uh, you know, back mm-hmm. in the day. Uh, but I don't think there's any reason they wouldn't like I think they'd want God of War to kind of have its own time to shine have a few weeks on its own and so August or September sounds really good to me but yeah I like throw a dart at the calendar and it could be any of those eight weeks for me right now um yeah it's I I I I think for a game like this I think it it can come out literally whenever like they don't have to time it to anything but like I don't know I would really love for them to release it in these like slower times right because it's just like just like a little a little bit of like inside right like i work on the gameplay team for ign and it's really really hard when a lot of games come out at the same time right so we were covering elden ring at the same time as horizon which and then some of our team members were still working on dying light 2 and uh Mm -hmm. stuff like that and then all of those quieted down and then suddenly we're like making tons of content for games that are like smaller than all of those and you're like whoa why are we making all this content for like you know something like tiny tina right that's not as big as like an elden ring and it's like it's because tiny tina didn't really have much to compete with kind of thing and so it's like i love this world where they like this is the only big thing coming out this month right like and it just gets all of the attention because that game deserves it so i think it's gonna be big so like I, I, not as in like sales numbers i mean as in like i think the game is going to it will be a big thing (laughs) um 
And I mean, to your point, I do think, you know, this isn't a game where I, I don't think we're going to get a month of pre-launch advertising. Like, I do think they're going to want to drum it up. But I get this is also not a game that I think they need to advertise for a year with a date. Like, they don't need to right. be telling us about this for May 2023. Like, I do think this is something that three or four months of, like, a really big advertising push everyone knows god of war at this point to the extent that i think they're probably happy with that so yeah i i think an early like late summer early fall release is is the most likely at this point i had previously been saying june but we're now in may and we don't know anything more about the game so i am moving that pretty comfortably at this point but again i'll just take a week off in september and then we'll see what happens there um moving on from that though we do have a lot of sort of other things in the ether we have we have a couple confirmed things from playstation but then playstation is a really open question mark so i i do want to tackle the first couple of like um potentials uh, of things uh, and then get into maybe some of the the bigger questions uh but jade i'll start with you where where are you at in terms of expecting psvr 2 at this point uh i think psvr 2 is going to be a holiday um launch i think we're going to see it come november i think either late October, early November, I feel like it's going to be one of those kind of like Christmas type bundles that PlayStation is going to do. They're going to do like a PS5 bundle with it at certain places, or it's a good like holiday gift to like, hey, get a PS5, get a the PSVR, it comes with a game, comes with all the things you need um, because that's when people are willing to spend exorbitant amounts of money is during the Christmas season. Um, so I think that's when we're going to see PSVR 2. Um, I would like to see it sooner, but I realistically and pragmatically, I think we're going to see it uh, like early to mid November or late October. Mark, what about you? My light died, so now I'm even darker than I was before. <laughs> um, yeah, holiday. I I fully expect holiday as well. Like, uh, I I don't know about like bundles, <laughs> only because like I don't think the PS5 mm -hmm. is going to be findable still this December yeah. and I, I think we're going to see the same thing with PSVR. I mean, PS5 launched with bundles, right? Like, it, it yep. did the same deal, right? Um, I have a friend very famously, she bought a PlayStation 5 bundle that was more expensive because it came with an extra controller and it came with everybody's favorite car game, PlayStation All-Stars, which got delayed and then ended Not up the coming name. out for free. Not PlayStation <laughs> totally All Stars. Totally not the All game. Stars. <laughs> destruction. 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 All you see how much I care about that game. Um, um, and she didn't Mark, get it's refunded. The, it's, the, it's the only game Mark has a platinum in this year. Is Destruction All Stars. I played it for one night, and I was and like, he got a platinum. Right. He's he's amazing. I'm just there. that damn good. <laughs> if I've played the game, I have the platinum. That's my rule. That's how uh, it works. But no, the the reason why I say bundles for holiday season is because I feel like. You know, scalpers are still an issue when it comes to buying consoles. One thing to kind of like keep scalpers away to a degree is to bundle everything together um, because yeah. then you have to buy a lot more stuff and then they're sitting on way more stuff that it's harder to kind of push as a group of things. Granted, they could buy the bundle, separate it, sell it as parts or whatever, but I think that is kind of the idea. Um, this is coming from like my retail background when I create it had to create bundles in well, retail I was, stores I was yeah like even I, say... I think i think GameStop will make a bundle right like, yes. yeah like that. Mm -hmm. a bundle doesn't necessarily have to mean everything is in a single box it can be correct and yeah jade i was going to point to the your retail experience is something like a GameStop or a best buy they'll just be like buy yep. these four things together at a slightly discounted price mm -hmm. yep yeah there used to be like stuff in the online store that you literally could not buy separately you had to buy them as a group so it's a way for them to get more sales guaranteed 
and then also a way for them to kind of like hold on to stock, I guess, to keep it more available in the long run. So, which yeah. is kind of a weird concept anyways, but it is what it is. But yeah, yeah, I think holiday as well. I think that's just where it makes the most sense. There, there's been a few rumors of it being sort of delayed to 2023, like early 2023. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think like if the technology isn't ready or if production isn't ready or if games aren't ready, I can see that happening. But like Jada, mm-hmm. especially to your point earlier of like, that's the time. And I think both of you said this, like to the point when that's when people are going to be spending money is the holiday. Yeah. And that's your best bet to get people to buy what is probably going to be an extra few hundred dollars on top of the $500 console that they're buying. Whereas like in obviously people buy games in the first quarter of the year like the the first quarter of the year has become such a big gaming release schedule but i also don't know if you can get people to just randomly in february buy a 250 dollar to 300 dollar accessory i i don't know if that is a feasible time to if, do that but it is if they've done their taxes early and they're getting money back True. But for the people who are not getting their money back getting money back from taxes generally no if we were still getting stimulus checks, maybe it would be a little bit yes. easier. But yeah, um, holiday, and and that's also why I, I think the you know the dates for like God of War that you're both mentioning make a lot of sense because it, it gives it enough time before the big push for PSVR two. Um, even if they launch with a, a slightly smaller, uh, you know, release group, I we still don't know about backward compatibility, which is wild. I really really hope that it has backward compatibility so i don't have to rebuy beat saber because i'm still going to be probably playing beat saber with it (laughs) but um you know i we we can kind of assume horizon call of the mountain is on the way we know that one as well i assume a new astros would be kind of being prepped for that uh you know we're now two years out from astros playroom that team uh made astro bot rescue mission in 2018 so like presumably something could be ready potentially for this fall or at least early next year I, I've got to imagine that even if it's just a like small handful of exclusives, a, a PSVR 2 holiday launch feels like the right one. And I didn't um, play a lot of Astro's Playroom. That one was mostly just like mini games and stuff, right? D- no, no. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The other one. The, no. the VR one, not Playroom. The, uh... the Astrobot Rescue Mission. Astrobot Rescue Mission. No, was that's that a, like an that's actual a platformer? Full... Yeah, that's a full platformer. They did a okay. VR the playroom. They did a VR the playroom game. And that's that used it was not where he like they were introduced, right? Like that was the first kind of scene. I think of them? that was the first there might have been something else with them, but I believe that was sort okay. of the initial launch of them. And so yeah, the Astrobot Rescue Mission was like they made a really good 3D that's platformer in VR. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, rescue mission. Yeah. Um yeah. I think I think we see potentially the next Astro game being a mini game type thing. I mean I th- I think it could be kind of cool with VR doing that. Um, we'll see. I don't know. It's a half baked idea. I'm still I'm still <laughs> cooking it. So continue. Let's move on because that no, doesn't make much sense. I think they can do both, but I really do hope they do a rescue mission sequel because that is one of my favorite platformers the last few years. It's it's legitimately a great one. Um, but moving on from there, so yeah, then we start to get into the hey, what's going on for the rest of the year slash next year territory. Um, so in terms of like an, an upcoming showcase, there might be stuff we see that we don't know about, and I'll get to some predictions for that in a second. But uh, in terms of first-party stuff, Spider-Man 2 and Wolverine are obviously big question marks for people. Do we think it's a little too early to see more of that stuff, knowing Spider-Man 2 is 2023 and Wolverine is after Spider-Man 2 at this point? I don't think so. I think, I think we I might think, see a trailer. I think we could see, yeah, a little bit more from Spider-Man. I'd, that's not out of the realm of possibility like we saw when did we see god of war ragnarok in 2021 summer 2021 and yeah. it's mm-hmm. you know 
a year it's it'll be over a year by the time that comes out same with like even uh forbidden west was about it was longer than a year right it was almost it was a may state of play in 2021 God. And then we okay. we the reveal trailer was June 2020 at that showcase. Yeah, for, so for I mean, so we already have the reveal trailer for this, but yeah, I, I think it could be time to show maybe a little bit more, but uh, yeah. probably nothing from the Wolverine yet. Yeah, I think it. if we get anything from Wolverine, we get like maybe like a small CG thing, kind of like how we got for the Spider-Man two, like a little bit lengthier because Wolverine was very short. I think mm-hmm. what was that? That teaser was what, like eighteen seconds or something like that. It's, it's I think short. it's a minute. Yeah, with, with it, the okay. title it's, included. It's a minute, but yeah. it's it's just him the walking through a wrecked bar. You only yeah. see probably eighteen seconds of Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, and you don't even see so, his face in it technically. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we get I think we get something more on the Marvel Spider-Man two train for Wolverine potentially at the tail end of this year, yeah. Um, or at a showcase, and we get maybe a upgrades to like. Well, I don't know if they'd show like, the upgrades to Spider-Man 2 yet. I feel like that's something more leading closer up to launch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Marvel Spider-Man 2, we maybe get like some type of gameplay, like just showing maybe the like hot swapping between Miles and and Peter. Like maybe we get something like that, showing like that, using that uh, rift apart kind of kind of style where they kind of like showcase both Ratchet and Rivet. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I, I could see a small thing like that. Absolutely, it's. It's interesting. I think we're in a point where, because I, I know a lot of people have been like, "Why aren't they showing more God of War? Like, when are we going to see more Spider-Man?" Waiting for these things. I don't know about the two of you, but for me, it goes back to the last like four years of PlayStation, where essentially they were showing Spider-Man, God of War, or uh, Spider-Man. Last of Us Part Two, Ghost of Tsushima, and Death Stranding for like three years straight, and those were the mm-hmm. games that kept showing up, and they were all really cool looking games, and uh, a lot of them turned out to be amazing and and great. Even if some people didn't love some of them, I like Death Stranding, but um, I, I think there's a certain like we don't want to over fatigue the audience with this stuff at this point is is what this all feels like to me, and the fact that we aren't getting constant drip feeds of, of these games. Yeah, um, I mean, it kind of depends on what Sony kind of, like, you know, like, if if they're like, yo, we need something to show, because we we really are in, like, one of the biggest droughts I feel like I've ever seen since I since my time at IGN. Like, th- this is, like, one of the longest we've had where it's, like, you know, pandemic-related, where it's, like, there's just, like, nothing new on the horizon, forbidden the pun. Uh, and so it's, like, maybe Sony is gonna have to play the cards a little differently where it's like hey we wouldn't normally show spider-man 2 but like we need something to bolster this showcase because they know it's you know if they have an hour worth of games and they end with just something from spider-man it's a successful showcase right so it's like Mm -hmm. they could end up going that route where they're like hey normally we wouldn't bug y'all but like we need we need a little something for spider-man to (laughs) to make to make the hype on this uh a little bit bigger you know so I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised to see something from Spider-Man 2 this year. Well, and, and on that note of stuff that I, I think that is everything that's like officially announced. So I'm going to kind of start to throw to like unannounced stuff or rumored things or, or things that we know are in the works. But also just in general, I just kind of want to know from both of you, like what in a uh, dream summer showcase, like uh, Jade, I'll start with you. What are either first party things or, or third party exclusive things like that that you really want to see on the horizon? I mean, I, I, I'm going to have to go full third party here. I want to see. I want to see Final Fantasy 16. I want to see Final Fantasy 7 remake. 
Um, I want. I'm, I'm kind of in an RPG mood because, like, I want to see those two. I want to see Dragon Quest. I'm not expecting to see anything else for Kingdom Hearts till next year, um, because that's just. Oh yeah. Let's be real. We know how Kingdom Hearts is with their games. Um, I'm looking forward to those. I want to see what we're what Street Fighter Six is going to look like. I want to see. Right, round six. Yeah, um, I want to see uh, what else. What, what ones? I want to see what the next Devil May Cry. I want to see. I want to see these big franchises that were known for, you know, really just being uh, a part of our consoles. I want to see what they're where these games are at. I want to see these big names. Um, so that that if you're asking me to, you know, dream pie in the sky, I want those big <laughs> names. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean that's what these summer showcases are. Are the especially before we get them is like the dreams of what could be happening. You know, it's uh, I there are easy things to assume will be there, but yeah, I'm we're we're at such a point like to Mark's point of not really knowing what's what's coming up that it could be anything. It could be stuff that we assume is on the way. Like we do know we're supposed to be getting updates about FF 16 at some point soon. Obviously Forspoken is coming out in October. We'll probably see that. But yeah, like you said, what what's going on with street fighter? They teased it and then haven't really said anything where what's the future of devil may cry. Like there are so many big potentials there. Um, Cause they, they yeah, don't want to let these big franchises die. I think I heard that final fantasy 16 was like in its final stretches of development. Yeah. So I believe I, that was the last not- quote. Yeah. So it would not surprise me to see that game soon. Hopefully, because, man, that game is going to be cool, I think. Because I like Final Fantasy. <laughs> what What else do you want to see, Mark? Uh, so I, I actually, you know, you mentioned Capcom, Jada, and I actually have some Capcom guesses as well. Uh, <laughs> the You know, the long-rumored uh, Dragon's Dogma 2. It's like... Mm everything but announced i i think uh i people thought the game would come out this year so i i I think it's time to probably see what's going on with that i'm not the biggest like dragon's dogma fan i i remember i liked the game on 360 way back in the day but like i i'm not like clamoring for dragon's dogma but i i know a lot of people are excited for it and uh so it wouldn't surprise me to see something from that but what i would really like from Capcom is Resident Evil Village DLC because they oh yeah they they said that they were going to work on Resident Evil Village DLC but you know the pandemic really really hit Village's development like really hard right and so they basically launched the game without as far as I can remember they launched it without really any big plans on what they were going to do for DLC but that they wanted to do DLC. And the game was received so well that you know it's going to. But I also suspect that the reason that there's being a big quietness from Capcom on Resident Evil Village is I really don't think that they expected Lamy Dimitrisk to be so big. And I do think that it, <laughs> big as in tall, no, big as in popular. <laughs> and I really, ex- I, I really expect that capcom headquarters was like okay what dlc do we have in the works can it it needs to be lady dimitri's dlc right because like that (laughs) will sell right because you get a little bit of her backstory in the game through text and stuff especially towards the end of the game but like an origin story dlc of her would be incredible right i think people Mm -hmm. would just love to see more of this character so um yeah, let yeah, me play as her I, and just shish kebab a bunch of people. Like that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Could do it in I, first person. I didn't expect that you'd get to. Bizarre, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're just like I'm in the sky. Um, <laughs> and then PSVR and then, and then, too. There we go. But I, I think both of my remaining are are both pie in the sky. Probably one more than the other. Um, so the real, real big pie in the sky one is the Bioshock revival. 
We've heard so mm-hmm. much about it. Have we? Could be. It could be time. Well, we no, no, no. We've heard for years that it's like <laughs> oh, in development. Okay. Not, yeah. not. We've heard nothing about it. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I wrote the original news story. We have not heard a word about it. <laughs> right, and so it's like I'd be interested to uh, to see where where that is. Right, and then uh, and then is it time for Kojima to finally show something? Could be. He's not first party, but like you know, we, well, we were talking about none of these are first party, so it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Could be time for Kojima to finally show something. Death Stranding released in 2018. Um, 19. 2019. So it's it's been a while. And I, I he's not shy to show a game now that's not gonna come out until 2024. So I I think it's I think it's about time we finally see what he's uh cooking up. Or if the rumors are true, we'll see that at the Xbox showcase. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Or both. He has been or, shooting. Or both. Yeah. He has been shooting uh, on, I believe, PlayStation Studios, uh, like their their white stages for for mocap. He's been using some of their technology to like conference in and everything. So he's clearly the relationship with PlayStation is still going well enough that I assume they probably have something in the works in the future. So yeah, I. You're right. It's we're now. I guess yeah, we'll be close to three years out from that game launching, which is wild to think. Um, There's something I was thinking about with Kojima. Right? Is yeah. his next okay? So I'll start with this. Death Stranding. Could that ever come to Xbox? Do we think? Because Death Stranding came to PC, right? Yeah, but it's yes. not. It, it, and we've been kind of unclear on who owns Death Stranding, right? Is it PlayStation or is it Kojima? But it goes a little bit even further than that, as in like PlayStation owns the Decima engine. So could they allow the Decima engine game, a, a Decima engine game, to be on Xbox? So that makes me wonder: Could his next game, if it is coming to Xbox, because that is a big rumor, is his next game not going to be Decima engine? I mean, theoretically, they about. they could allow it. Because oh, I Xbox think PlayStation could allow it. Yes, but will for, they? Mm. But will they? Would Xbox be willing to pay whatever like fee that would come with? Who knows? You know. Yeah, I mean, um, they have the money, so they could. <laughs> <laughs> That's not. I don't think the money is the issue on it. I think it's. Well, it's just if they'd be willing to, right? Oh, wow. That stranding I... is three years old. Do they want to? If PlayStation was like, yeah. sure, you have to, you know, we own this, but you, you know, you can license it from us, but also we own the engine, so now you owe us even more licensing. You know, is Phil really being like, well, this is like a three-year-old game that most people have already played? So, but it makes me wonder for his future game, like maybe his future game won't be built on Decima. Play- PlayStation just tweeted, uh, Xbox actually acquired the Decima engine. Oh, so. Shit. Yeah, it's, Horizon the, or Xbox the third so yeah, we're, the we're, third we're Horizon playing. games an Xbox exclusive. Um, but no, I I think a Kojima reveal would definitely be something. I I imagine this summer, you know, between obviously uh, Keeley's love of Kojima, um, yeah. the rumors of him working with Xbox, the relationship that he still seems to have with PlayStation. That's that's not a bad guess at all. I I do think it wouldn't be a bad time to at least announce his next project. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see what we'll see. him and Norman Reedus are up to. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm liking the the theoretical summer showcase that we are all putting together here so far, uh, no it's, matter how pie in the sky. It's amazing. It is, it is truly an incredibly groundbreaking show. If all of us and all of our viewers focus and concentrate hard enough, it'll manifest. It'll happen. So if you're okay. out there and listening the and you want these get seat scenes, you guys, you guys can make it happen. Just I have one put more. It out there. But this is even more unrealistic than anything we've said to date. This one is absolutely Ooh. not happening. 
Okay. okay. But it's crazy. You ready then for before this? you before you say it, is it even worth saying that? <laughs> yes. Okay, fair enough. We Go ahead. we get a release date for Stray. I know. That's never gonna happen. But you know, I'm just a man can dream. Hey Red, Red, our producer, can you please just uh mute and kick Mark from the podcast live on it? Where um, is that game? Please. I'm just it's asking. coming it's coming this summer. I was Don't going lie to me. I've been lied to too many times. They said spring once. You're fine. So uh, I do have one extra one actual realistic one I think we will see during the it. summer, and that's Sonic Frontiers. I think yeah. we I think we've got nothing but that very quick trailer for it. Um, there's so much unknown about this open world Sonic game. Uh, like, what is that going to look like? What's it going to entail? I think we get something, some type of gameplay, this this summer. Yeah, that's my that'd be that's cool. my more most realistic one. Well, and that, that's one that is like they had said 2022 was the plan. It's I don't like think October. They I think, I think okay. it's like I think it's like scheduled for October if I remember right. Okay. I could be wrong. But I mean, I'm a huge fan of the blue blur, blur and uh, you know, we've got a lot of marketing going behind Sonic right now. The, the got movie, a yeah. the, the TV mm-hmm. shows, like there's there's so much going on with Sonic that like they need to keep that momentum going. Like, I mean, yeah. that's whole, Sonic's whole thing is momentum and speed. Like, <laughs> do, do not drop that, Sega. So let's show us some more of the game. Sonic would be a really fun one to see because yeah, I really want to see how this game plays. We, I just really want to see more of what it actually will be like. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Mark, to your point, Stray. Obviously, there was for those who didn't see it a uh, indie tease of upcoming indie games coming to PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the little subtext at the bottom of it mentioned that Stray is coming in summer. Uh, originally, mm-hmm. I believe the plan was you know spring or early twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two. Excuse me. So we're right now looking at a summer release for that one as well. I feel like Stray would probably be a part of any sort of. Summer summer showcase then as well they know how excited people are for this game um that that feels like a given on the indie side on the indie side as well i'd love to see uh chia which is another Mm -hmm. one that i've mentioned Mm -hmm. a few times from state of plays i feel like that one is a relatively safe bet if it's still coming uh uh, this year as well um but i don't know if it's pie in the sky i can come up with some other pie in the skies oh i do have one uh but i do genuinely think we are at some point soon going to see whatever naughty dogs multiplayer thing is um Mm. Whether it, it comes out in conjunction with this Tilu remake that we've also heard rumors and reports about um, pretty confidently, whatever. I think we've seen them hiring for roles that are very like economy focused and, and live service, you know, uh, initiative focused. I feel like that game has to be close to at least being shown, if not released, you know, in the fall or early next year. Um, and I do think it could be really, really cool. I'm, I'm pretty confident that what PlayStation's been doing, you know, we have all this, we know they're doing, you know, 10 live service games as the goal over the next few years. And I know that scares a lot of people that that means we're not going to get the PlayStation, you know, first party narrative focus games that we're, we've come to rely on. I don't think we're not going to get those, but I do also think what we've seen the PlayStation first parties do with multiplayer has been really interesting. And I think they're really getting to gear it toward experiences that they think make sense for the work they do and the gameplay they create and all those things. And knowing what they did with factions and even uncharted multiplayer, which I liked a lot, I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of potential for this one to be a really, really fun surprise that I hope is something. I guess there is a world where it is a $40 multiplayer game that's released. I hope it is, is more of a free to play game that everyone can get into that. It can have a strong player base. Um, even if it is free to play through PlayStation plus, I guess, like I hope there is a way to get a large player base into it. Um, yeah. cause that's the way that stuff survives. Um, I hope they need to do it like legends did for ghost of Tsushima, like, and just like a free add on or like giving it away for free on PS plus 
one of those months, I think that will be the the jump start it needs to kind of build that install base, like you're saying. Yeah, I, I think giving that one it's it's room to breathe as well, like not putting it too close to it. And that's the thing is like if that's also planned for this fall, maybe they don't do God of War to the Last of Us multiplayer to PSVR two. Like maybe they they give some room to breathe for something and and something goes to early next year. But I feel like that is one that we are going to see at some point soon, just because we know they've been working on it since the Last of Us Part Two's production to a certain extent. So. That's that's one I really hope for. A pie in the sky reveal for me would be uh, Persona Six. Um, you know, it's been a few years since Persona Five. Obviously, Persona Five Royal was uh, 2020, I believe that came out. Um, it's been some time. We know the team has been working on it. It's new leadership for that team. The the leaders of the uh, previous Persona games have moved on to another project. We could see that one as well. It's like more of a I think fantasy based Persona, which could be really cool. Um, not actually Persona, but like games like it. But Persona 6 is this big question mark and it is a big anniversary year for the franchise. And the funny thing that has happened, um, I don't know if either of you have seen, but Atlas has promised all these like reveals for the Persona 25th anniversary celebration. And they've all been like, there's going to be a concert in Japan or here's some toothpaste branded with Persona. It's been like all really small stuff to the point where the Persona 4 arena remaster wasn't even announced as one of those celebratory announces so i totally would not be shocked if persona 6 gets revealed in a showcase like this not as part of the celebration um mm. that one feels like a potential for me and, and jada like you said i've been on a big rpg kick so that's a that's a hope for me um i've heard rumors that four golden is coming to ps4 that would be amazing i would love it i there was a weird thing on their website a few months back where there was like a it kind of listed it and then that went away i don't know if that was just a, a booking error but i would love that because i i love my vita but it does die on me very quickly while i'm playing PS2. i just found my i just found my ps tv um Ooh. so i can play my vita games on my tv now I was like, yes, I found it. I just got to find the power cord. I found the adapter and the power cord was not with it for some reason. That's what happens yeah. when you move. Yeah. You, that that one had get... one of those weird, like... It's proprietary. The PlayStation plug, the, the like infinite plug or whatever, plugs into a box. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird yeah, one. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm pulling it out for the video version. It's like a very bespoke plug that mm -hmm. is plugged into a USB, which you can just plug into other things, but primarily was supposed to be plugged into another power uh, box so yeah yeah it would be nice but anyway uh we're not here to talk about cables uh the last one i did want to just bring up is do you do you guys think we'll see any kotor nah i think we got so much other star wars stuff happening right now i think kotor is gonna ride those coattails and just kind of wait and kind of take next take us by storm next year i think we see a lot of kotor in 2023 that's yeah, a good time i see that um yeah what, what mark you you're up in the air for it yeah, I don't know. I I really I don't know much about that franchise at all. I never played Kotor one or two. What what is it? So we got last year. That was when we got that like reveal or whatever. Um, yes, a little yeah. like teaser thingy. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Bioware. They, no, that's not even made by Bioware. Yeah, no, I honestly, I, I yeah, I, I have zero opinion. I have no idea. <laughs> I I just want Lost Ark to come to PlayStation. That's the only thing I have left. Left feels like list. it could. Feels like it, it absolutely like it. could. The, yeah. There's no reason that game's not on place or you know on consoles, regardless. But yeah, the, yeah. But I would love for that game to. I played on PC with a controller, anyways. Just put it on consoles. Like the game's already huge. So many people play it. Might as well get bolster that player base even more by allowing <laughs> it to be on consoles. There you yeah. go. There's your summer showcase, Mark. Lost Ark coming to PlayStation. 
That's the whole that would, thing. That would make me and a lot of people happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we wrap up and move on to just some other news pieces to talk about, anything else that I'm forgetting that either of you really hope to see in, in the summer? Um, I think yeah. it could be time for Blue Point to kind of show what they're working on. You know, Demon Souls yeah. is uh, two years old at this point, and so I th- well, almost two years old. Um, I think I think it could be time now that they're first party to kind of show if it's another remake or just whatever. <laughs> Give us um, their, that infamous one and two yeah. bundle remake. Oh yeah. man, I'd love. Yeah, that back. that was the last thing on my list was just like when I'm looking at like all of the first party like there's been a lot of like push for um a a rivet standalone game but it's like i just can't see how that could even be possible right insomniac is just they're so So, busy yeah and so i'm like looking at the studios and i'm like okay well housemark but like you know returnal's not that old and they just released dlc for that and they still are like tweaking the game a lot they've already said that their next game's not related to returnal at all so it's like I'm like, mm, when you look at the landscape, it could be time for Blue Point to kind of show off what they're working on. And uh, to your point, we also, I believe, know from uh, job listings that Insomniac is also working on a multiplayer game. So there's, yeah, they're they're busy. They have their hands full for sure, but they they yeah. surprise us still every time. Um, James, yeah. is there mm-hmm. is, is there anything else that uh, we haven't covered that you maybe hope might show up at a at a summer showcase for PlayStation? Uh. No, really? Not really. I think everything I mentioned is everything that's really on my radar, whether it's at the, the, the very center or far off. It's there's not much uh, else that I'm really I can think of that like would be like just mind blowing to see this summer. There's yeah, I mean, we've already I, created the greatest showcase of all time. Yeah, 100 <laughs> percent. Um, But you know what? I love to be surprised. So this is uh, my call out to, to Sony is to surprise me, surprise me this summer. <laughs> Please, 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 please. Yeah, a surprise would be fun. Uh, my surprise hope, Sly Cooper. Just show me it. Just, just make. Oh, it I got one. Please, Ooh, bring go. Ape Escape go back. There we bring go. Ape Escape back. There we go. We're not asking for much, Sony. We're just asking for the biggest third-party games of all time. All of your studios to release our favorite franchises, mm-hmm. new entries, and uh, also Stray. Please make sure Stray <laughs> is there. Well, wow. and uh, you okay. know, the... I was with you until the stray reveal. There's, there's no way that's happening. That's... Of course, <laughs> um, it's gonna probably be a busy summer at some point. We're getting there in the next few weeks, hopefully. And obviously, whenever a showcase happens, whether I'm in office or not, uh, we'll be talking about it on the show and, and everything that we learn about it. Uh, of course, yeah. So Sony's summer is gonna start. Uh, to be pretty busy, Jada, as you mentioned earlier, uh, PlayStation Plus is going to be relaunching its its new version in May in some territories and then rolling out through more in June. So that's going to probably eat up a bit of their focus for a bit. And then, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll see what the rest of the year holds. Um, but it's, a, it's exciting, though, because that PlayStation stuff, like, yeah, it's not until mid-June for us, but it is late May for other territories. So that, mm-hmm. like, kind of reveal, whether it's just a blog post, like, that has to be coming within the next couple weeks right yeah. because they have to start they, they they the only thing they've done is talk about price and games that like they won't reveal right so it's like if they want people to even now they're getting people in other territories to if they released it today they're only giving people like what three weeks notice on what's going mm-hmm. to be part of that service so like that has to come soon but the last thing i was going to say is like you could kind of feel it. You know how you get that gut feeling that something exciting <laughs> is going to happen? It yeah. was the second that Xbox announced their thing, right? You're like, okay, 
here it comes like now i'm getting excited not only because i'm excited for their showcase and i'm excited for starfield but like you know that now other companies have to kind of you know respond to that right that there has to be that company that they're the first ones to be like you know what this is when we're showing our stuff and then the rumblings start happening so i don't know you can kind of feel it and it's making me very excited yeah the the dominoes are gonna have to start to fall people are gonna have to start putting dates on the calendar it is a very exciting time this is always that time of year it's weird not to have it around a single week that we are used to obviously the last few years have changed that Uh, and it can now be every week in perpetuity forever there can always be a surprise um and so we'll see what the rest of the summer weeks hold but there was actually a surprise earlier this week that we can talk about news wise which was square enix sold some of its studios and yeah excuse me okay yeah, they sold Crystal Dynamics, they sold IDOS, they sold Square Enix Montreal. Um, it's just, it's, you know, most of their Western-facing studios, and Jonathan is dying. I couldn't um, speak, thank you. for. I think some water welcome. went down the wrong way, and uh, I, 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 I was taken aback by the news, even though I wrote a follow-up <laughs> op-ed about it, I was taken aback. <laughs> um, no, yes, thank hearing, you. Jada. Hearing it again has just sent him back into shock. Uh, <laughs> $300 million for those three studios going to Embracer, who, if you don't know Embracer, is sort of the secret biggest new player in the industry, but really not so secret as you see what companies they have, because they have a lot of them. Um, mm-hmm. em- Embracer is really, really becoming a big sort of owner of all these companies. Their CEO, in, in some previous interviews, has said their approach is a bit more uh, hands-off. They prefer to let the companies that they they purchase, so they purchased Gearbox a while ago, they prefer to let Gearbox act like Gearbox wants to act rather than having Gearbox act like the Perfect World Studios that they acquired, act like the Saber Studios that they acquired, et cetera, et cetera. So they presumably want these studios to do what they do well, which is typically story-based, you know, action, adventure, some first-person, some third-person action Uh, One of the studios is very mobile-focused, Square Enix Montreal, which we'll have to get a name change. Uh, They made the awesome (laughs) Go series of games, which if you'd never played, uh, Hitman Go, Lara Lara Croft Go, and uh, Deus Ex Go are all really, really great games. Uh, They're awesome puzzle games. But yeah, Crystal and Eidos. uh, Eidos just did Guardians of the Galaxy, of course. Crystal is... Tomb Raider and Avengers. Um, there's a lot of pedigree here, but I think the number surprised people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jade, Jade, I'll start with you just on in terms of like, d- a lot of people were like 300 million. That seems like a steal for all of this. Does it, does it feel like that to you? Very much so. I mean, because they're not just getting the studios. They also got all the IPs. So now the Embracer, you know, has that ownership on Tomb Raider. They have that, the ownership on Legacy of Kane. They have the, you know, uh, they don't have Hitman because they because uh, IDOS Interactive or not IDOS um, IO, IO is separate. Yeah. Um, but IDOS they got Deus Ex um, was the one I was meant to go to. Um, they got these all these huge games that have done big numbers in the past and done really well. And for three hundred million, I mean, I feel like any like one game out of any of these types of any of those ones I listed are going to bring in three hundred mil on their own right off the bat. Like, we already know we're getting a new Tomb Raider uh, built in Unreal Five. Like, I, I, I don't see a world where this new Tomb Raider comes out and doesn't make a three hundred million dollar profit. Like, I just don't see that. Like, now whether what percentage of that goes to Embracer, what percentage stays within um, Crystal Dynamics, like we don't know. But I, I feel like this is I feel like they they 
they got the steal of the week with that with that purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as far as Square Enix Montreal haven't changed their names, I think they're just gonna go like X Square Montreal. They're just gonna just gonna move Perfect. remove the Ean. It's just gonna be X Square Montreal, and then they. You know, not just another shape, not like Isosceles no. Montreal. Or no, no, it's like just that. gonna. It's literally like like they are literally Square Enix's X. Like oh, okay. they they broke up. It's their X Montreal. I dig it. I, I like yeah. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was I was hoping for Trapezoid Montreal, but yeah, I'll take that. I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mark, what about you? Surprising. Uh, yeah. Yeah. To- Tomb Raider alone is like. So I just looked it up because we had done a news story on it a little bit ago. So the the franchise itself has sold eighty eight million copies, thirty eight million being just from the Ludington verse trilogy. So it's yeah, pretty surprising. I guess it's also kind of weird because they're still presumably working on Avengers, and I mm-hmm. guess Square Enix has said like Avengers is such a that's that's a weird thing because obviously embracer is not buying the rights to avengers right so uh basically the the rumor is that they would have to ask marvel to continue working on that game what what Mm -hmm. currently the situation because uh the embracer uh execs talked about a little bit on a call they they get access to the back catalog so technically they still have the rights to getting guardians and and avengers and things like that Mm -hmm. um but yeah, going but, forward. But, did, they, but didn't that exclude if they're going to keep building on Avengers? They, like, so they need to seek approval for right. anything going forward, which they yeah. are hopeful they can. And I guess, you know, it'll, it'll be up to Marvel at that point if they want to continue yeah. this relationship. Uh, if like Guardians was received very well and we can get to, you know, sales and stuff in a minute um, to, to Jada's point, but uh, Guardians was received very well. I do think there are parts of Avengers that showed they very clearly knew how to make a good game that wasn't mm-hmm. the type of game that they were making. Um, and mm-hmm. so it, it depends on if Marvel wants to keep that going because, you know, to to pull out of it would, would be a bummer, I think, because I'd love to see a Guardians sequel. But... Um, well, yeah. I think it, it also depends on, like, what Embracer would want, right? Like, if yeah. their idea is going to be like, hey, Crystal Dynamics, make what you guys want to make, like, then, you know, you could see them being like, okay, well, then we're going to focus our stuff elsewhere, right? Because the the idea of, you know, the what Avengers ended up becoming does kind of feel like it came from Square Enix's live service push, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it does kind of like paint this uncertainty for the future of that game specifically right like uh, is crystal dynamics ready to just be like hey now that we no longer are under the umbrella of square enix you know we don't want to to, we don't want to make this anymore i'm also i i I, of all the things they bought though i'm a little sad that they ended up didn't they didn't grab uh you know i'm blanking on the studio name (laughs) But uh, really, really sad made, about it. Though. Yeah, I'm so sad about it. Uh, Babylon's Fall <laughs> Studio. You're, platinum? You oh, platinum, platinum Games. Yeah, they're not like they're I know they're not, not owned games. by Square, but it's like <laughs> Platinum themselves has already like there has been rumors that they were kind of like financially kind of a little bit in trouble, and then they they made Babylon's Fall, which is by every metric a complete failure. Um, and that it has a, had like six players the last report yeah, I saw it's, was it's six. Hit, it's hit single digit players on Steam for a live service game that launched this year for it to only legit have six players at one point is like, right, that game is is 
pretty much done. Yeah. And so it's like it'd be interesting to the, for them to be like, you know what? We're just going to acquire them as well because get them away from Square Enix. Just I mean, em- Square Enix has made some questionable decisions lately. Embracer is is very possibly a candidate if, if Platinum were to want to be acquired mm-hmm. like that. I, I would not be yeah. shocked if, if that's a headline we see in the next year. But, um, you know... I, I'm kind of with both of you in terms of I, I wrote an op-ed on, on IGN for people uh, who want to go check it out with some analyst intake on sort of like why this happened, why it was shocking, but also why it makes sense. Um, for me, it's like speaking to kind of both of what you were saying, I just don't think these studios were a good fit for what Square Enix wants to be. Like we do know they said in this yeah. deal, they want to focus on blockchain and AI and the cloud and like thoughts on those technologies and specific ones in there aside. Like if they want to focus on more stuff like that, that's fine. Three studios that make either like pretty prestige mobile games or narratively focus like at their best narratively focused single player action games don't fit into that at all. Um, Mm -hmm. and even if other stuff in Square you could say like well Final Fantasy 7 Remake isn't like that or FF16 probably won't be like that I think there's enough in the business on the Japanese side of things that PlayStation or Square likes that balance of the prestige RPGs that they do and the opportunities to do mobile stuff with them and MMO stuff with them both with Dragon Mm -hmm. Quest and Final Fantasy whereas these studios I think the western stuff from Square has always been a bit of an odd fit with the company and something that I pointed to you know Jada you were talking about like it seems like such a low price because they've got to be able to make that money back where wherever this happens if you look back at the history of square with these companies for the last like decade almost every big release they do they've kind of called a failure on the books like they're all for the most part they have released critical successes i think like avengers aside uh the tomb raider games deus ex uh guardians uh and and those those go games have all been really critically acclaimed games for the most part but, mm-hmm. you know, the original Tomb Raider selling 3.4 million was a, a failure to square. Guardians underperformed. Avengers underperformed. We haven't heard a word from Deus Ex, presumably because it wasn't really topping the charts, I would assume. So, you know, like they've for whatever reason, the math wasn't working for Square. And I guess if Embracer sees the potential to have the math work here to let these studios do what they do and it not be a worry I'm like, I'm all for that. I, you know, I we've talked a lot on the show about like worrying about the funneling of the industry into just a couple of companies this is a weird one where it's like an acquisition but also a sale because it's not like square suddenly doesn't exist anymore um but yeah well and nothing's being made like exclusive here or anything like right like there's nothing like you know there are some people that you know obviously are a little sad when bethesda got acquired right because now you're like well shoot now like starfield's not coming but it's like this nothing is changing there they're they just own that IP. You're still going to get the new Tomb Raider game. Though Embracer did say in their report that they were like, we could also make more money by making exclusive partnerships. So they, I just never I say mean, never. of course. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I like I think in the in the end of the day, this is probably a, a net positive for both companies in terms of mm-hmm. like letting these I uh, the the analyst I spoke to, uh Piers Harding Rolls, said an interesting thing of like uh embracer is very decentralized and they let the companies work as they do and so that might be a bit of a shift for these three studios like they might need some time to work through a different type of leadership uh you know funnel Mm -hmm. but if it lets them make really cool tomb raiders really cool deus exes really cool legacy of game games people really want to see the return of that and that ip came along here i think it's potentially a really good opportunity for these studios to just do what they do very well and not feel pressured to necessarily do something that fits into whatever square enix's goal is yeah, I think the I think the the big biggest boon for me is the fact that 
because they own all these IPs, they can technically shop these IPs out to other company, other studios. Like mm-hmm. I would love to see like a Devil May Cry team take on the Legacy of Kane series. You know, like, I mean, they could go to Capcom and be like, hey, or Capcom can go to Embracer Group. Like, hey, we want to do something with Legacy of Kane. Like, that's what we want to do. Like, there's a lot of studios that want to make games around these very prominent or previously well-known um, games. And they, but they just, the licenses have been just stuck in licensing hell. Like, like no, we can't, like, there's no way Square Enix is going to give us Legacy of Kane to do something like that. So just, like, don't even spend any time thinking about that. Um, so I think, I think Embracer Group will kind of allow that. So again, like, I don't like when it comes to acquisitions and stuff, like, I don't like, you know, seeing it kind of like the pie gets smaller and smaller when it comes to the bigger companies owning stuff. But if it's going to, in this type of situation where it's going to potentially give more opportunities for games to release, I think it could be a good thing this time. Yeah, it will be very interesting to see uh, Embracer, even in their report, said they're not expecting new games in the next couple of years. So don't see the sale as like suddenly Tomb Raider, you know, four, whatever they call it, is going to be out next year or something like that. They they said even for the next two fiscal years, they're expecting the back catalog to be the sole way they're really making any sort of profit from these companies. Uh, So it'll be a few years before we see anything, but could be a really interesting sale and potentially maybe exclusives for either Xbox or PlayStation, depending on what Embracer wants to do. We'll we'll see what happens there. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. Embracer didn't get the IP to Just Cause, right? That's still with Square. They still have Just Cause, Life is Strange. uh, Yeah. Uh, Like other other weird stuff, but yeah. Because it's like Just Cause is you know i don't want to say dormant but it's been a while since just cause 4 and i really love that series and so i'm surprised that uh i'm surprised square would want to hang on to like i feel a, like a, just a, a cause property like that i feel like just cause is one of the few ones that they didn't call a failure ever like i feel like just cause is always done well for them so i feel like that's one of the ones that's why they probably held on to that yeah. And again, I, I do things we're saying, and I tried to make this clear in my op-ed, when we're, we're all saying failure, we obviously don't mean those studios are a failure. Yeah. Like, oh, no, it, no, it no. Is, it's Square just games. being like, it did not make as much money as we thought it would it, for like Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy, which is like, by most metrics, a really, really popular game that people really loved. And then yeah, just being so, like, oh, it didn't meet well, sales expectations. And it, it's one of those weird things where it's like whether the sales expectations were too high, whether the marketing push wasn't enough to get it out there to the audience who would like it, whether the you know messaging communicated what the game was to people. There, there are all these different things per game that it could come down to. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, there is a like decade plus pattern of all that happening. And at the very least, I, I mentioned in the op-ed, and Jada, you had mentioned them as well, IO Interactive, when they separated from Square, when Square withdrew from them, They've done very, very well with Hitman. So hopefully, obviously, mm-hmm. this is, you know, new ownership and we'll have to see how it all goes. But hopefully we can see similar success stories there. Um, other than that, just to briefly mention before we sort of wind down the show, I uh, did just want to mention this broke in between episodes for those who are looking forward to PlayStation Plus and the new versions of it. Uh, PlayStation has essentially prevented you from code stacking your subscriptions currently. Uh, This happened, I believe, late last week, but essentially on the FAQ for the new PlayStation Plus page, it says, as we prepare to launch the new PlayStation Plus membership service, we are doing some work behind the scenes to make the transition as smooth as possible for all of our existing members. As part of this work, we've temporarily disabled stacking memberships for existing customers until after the launch. Um, So 
if you were hoping to get 35 years of PlayStation Plus via codes and things like that and sales and whatnot, you unfortunately can't at this point. It's a bummer because it was a thing that was part of how the system has worked for a while. And whenever those codes go on sale, people would buy them in the past. But unfortunately, it is their, I guess, right to do this unless there is something in the, you know, contract of signing on to this that we have all missed. But I have never read the user license agreement, so I can't say for <gasps> sure. <laughs> Jonathan. I don't read it. You can't just sign Only those things. Only 168 pages, man. Just to hire a lawyer to go over it with you? <laughs> I could beat like five games in that time. Anyway. Um, before we, we get into some of the end of the show, I do want to throw to, I spoke to some of the developers, as I mentioned, uh, behind the new indie game Trek to Yomi, which is out this week on PlayStation 4, PS5, and other consoles as well, uh, to talk a little bit about the inspirations for that game, the sort of uh, approach they took to combat, and many more things. So I'll throw to myself for that wonderful interview. Thank you, myself, for that wonderful setup that I'm sure was part of a segment where we didn't go off on any tangents, stayed on topic, and everything went very well. Uh, but luckily, I'm very excited about the next topic on the show this week. Uh, we're going to be getting into a very exciting new game coming to PlayStation and other platforms this week, Trek to Yomi. I've been playing it a little bit and having a lot of fun, and I'm very fortunate to be joined by the game director and producer, Martin and Mirek. Thank you both so much for joining me. Hi. Hello, guys. Hello, it's really great to have you to talk about this game uh, that I've been having a lot of fun with. Um, just to start off the bat, though, rather than maybe me butcher the eleva elevator pitch for it, um, who, who would like to sort of give just a like, like top level view of what this game is for maybe people who don't know what Trek to Yomi is? Trek to Yomi is a game about inspired by old samurai movies. Uh, so it's very unique experience that we spent a lot of time to create that old movie feelings and connect uh, everything with engaging gameplay uh, with very nice and nice music. So this is very good experience. I hope everyone will enjoy this title. I'd, so, I'd oh, sorry, Mirak. Go ahead. No, so in general, like uh, Marcin said, I think the Trek Yomi is based also like on a few core pillars, and I want to just uh, quickly list on them all of them. Uh, so first of all, we would like to make sure that uh, the full emphasis will go on the cinematics style of this uh, title. Secondly, is the Japanese authenticity, like we try to take as much as we could from uh, Japan, uh, Japanese culture and history. And the third feeling is like cohesive combat that is supporting entire experience that is locked in a box called Tractiomi. Well, and, and sort of absolutely on the, the first point that you're talking to, I'd love to get into a little bit because obviously uh, for those who are watching the video version of the show, they're seeing some footage and, and hopefully if you're listening, you can check out some footage as well. Uh, obviously the game is presented in this stunning black and white cinematic sort of uh, green to it as you're playing through it. It definitely captures the sort of authenticity of playing through a, a samurai film uh i'm curious about i in general was it was that sort of look something that was always core to the project because i imagine that you know determines a lot of the lighting and the uh object and character creation i imagine it would be pretty fundamental if that was core yes that was the core and the, the first idea for the project uh we really wanted to make something that is look very good in black and white. Uh, if we will wanted to create the game in the color and just change only the, the effects to, to create black and white version, this will be totally different experience. 
and we needed to make a lot of job to to look the to make this game uh, very good in this uh, black and white style. For example, when we start the making the models, uh, we create special pipeline because before this game we make many normal 3D uh, game and the object will need to make much more detail. Uh, if we will add that type of object with this black and white uh, post-process, everything will be very noisy. And we spent a lot of time researching how we should create the scene, how the lighting should work. Uh, there was a very long process uh, that we spent to, to make this game in that quality. Part of it um, that that really strikes me as I've been playing through on, on that level is, um, you know, there's obviously a lot of natural environments that you're going through, but as well as, uh, you know, people's homes and, and, and interiors and things like that. Um, can you talk a little bit about the the process of making sure the player could still see everything that was going on, but to still capture this feel of, of the moody, you know, darks and the shadows with, with the bright lights? How, was there a lot of struggle to find that balance? Or were there times where it was too bright or too dark? Um, how did all that come about? Yes, yeah, so that was a long process to make it happen. We spent uh, a couple of months just to find out what kind of mood we want to have in the game. So we researched a lot of uh, references. We watched movies, of course, uh, from this old style samurai um, genre that was very popular in Japan at the time. We took also some um, special workshops inside our crew, like what kind of things we want to have, like what kind of camera mechanics we should uh, use. Like we went from the basis, like what kind of movement we uh, are using right now in movies, like, you know, track, dolly, pedestal, uh, rope, and this kind of elements. Like we were trying to get inside a mindset of a director, of a movie director. You want to put that feeling that experience into track to Yomi, that you will be feeling that you are shooting your own movie by playing through all the chapters that we have. So what you said about, for example, finding out what kind of camera movements, that was a part of the process. But second, which is also very critical in our journey, was to find out with the art team the correct vision in terms of the contrast, in terms of the elements, because as you can see on the movie right now, everything is in black and white. So we had very limited uh, colors in the game and we still had to make sure that people will understand where we are going, what is the, for example, point that we can interact with. So we wanted to make sure that it will still keep this feeling of movie, but also we had to communicate some elements by a special UI that is very simple in the game and it was supposed to be simplistic but we still needed to put some small details around the screen to make sure that people as a gamers will also understand what is going on so it took us like many iterations we went through a phase of just creating first of all very simple beauty corner uh to just find out the visuals what kind of things we would like to show then going to the vertical slides when we prepared the first chapter with all those things that it was a part of our lesson that we took during Trek to Yomi development. Like, how kind, what kind of challenges we have? Like, what kind of, for example, uh, options we have in terms of like making sure that people will understand what is the foreground, what is the background, but what is the main scene and how I can interact with the things on the scene. So it was a very interesting process. It was engaging 
a lot of departments, programmer help us in terms of the systems, level art, level design was always um, disputing and brainstorming what kind of things we have on specific chapters and how to make sure that it will be clear, communicate and understand. But I think the team overall nailed the topic and we are really proud from the final results. Yeah, on the the note of the camera work, I'd I'd really love to get into. You talked about sort of a lot of how the systems are working working together that I, I've really been enjoying as I played. And I think one of the the interesting things for players who don't know, but they they may be seeing if they're watching, and if you're not, uh, it, it essentially as you're going through the game, the the camera will often be in fixed angles or or moving with the player based on you know what the the team has decided on on how the camera is going to move with you um, to create. As you said, it creates this cinematic feel to it. It, it very much feels like it is a director blocked these shots and, and chose how you, how you'll go through the scenes. Um, I, you, you were mentioning some of the challenges for foreground and background and making sure players um, could see everything through. But for me, the, the big thing that that does is create that interesting 2d plane when you're fighting. And, and I'd love to talk a little bit about the, the combat emphasis and, and the idea of placing combat on a 2d plane where you can have enemies coming at you from left and right. And you're able to switch back and forth, which is a really great element of it. But how, how did you decide to land on having, combat be in that mode versus say you know in a 3d space yes when we are talking about the combat there was many prototype uh, and we tested a lot of 2d combat games but in many of this game there was mechanics that we really don't wanted to add for our game for like for example jumping because this can break the the immersion and you will feel more like in the game, not like in the movie. So if we will decide that we don't, we cannot use the, the jumping, we cannot use the moving through the player and enemies, uh, we try to find a good solution for the combat. And we decide that the, the timing in our combat will be the most important part. Uh, we still wanted that the player will feel like uh, the master of the sword. Uh, so he has very powerful and from their decision, uh, will, their decision will decide how they can kill the enemies. Uh, after player progression, we received uh, new skills and player can feel much powerful. Also, uh, we create a lot of type of the enemies inside the game. So through the journey, you can find with totally different enemies and also big boss fights. And also a lot of few things like uh, combos, like, for example, range weapons. So I think the depth of the game is there. But the thing was very important to make sure that everything will be properly balanced because we don't want it to overexpose some of the elements that are in the game. And we have like a lot of stuff put there. Despite of the fact that it's like game that could be finished in like quick run for like about four hours, I think. But when we are picking more challenging difficulties, it can take you up to seven, eight hours. Of course, depends on every type of playstyle that people may have. Uh, but we wanted to make sure that there will be this, once again, very cinematic vibe behind Trek to Yomi. And if people will be feeling that everything is just uh, putting this right amount and scale for, for the experience that we wanted to achieve. So there is like a lot of elements put on the story. Uh, there is also emphasis on the music, on the voiceovers. So the, the balance and the combat is just one of the parts that we wanted to expose but just to make sure that they will be not 
interacting and not interacting, not interfering with the final uh, feelings that we wanted to have and emotions that people will get from our game. Yeah, I, I absolutely understand what you mean. It's this, um, you know, as you're playing the beginning of the game and, and you're still getting used to the controls and everything and you're making sure you're not going to embarrass yourself too much, even if it's just yourself while you're playing uh, in a battle. I, I think the the opening levels are really both forgiving and and teaching in the way that they get you through the process of learning light attacks, heavy attacks, the timing for parrying. And, and uh, one of the more interesting challenges for me was crowd control. Um, I, I, I think, you know, you were mentioning as well how you'll you'll face tougher and, and greater enemies as you go on. But one of the unique complications that you run into is the idea of enemies multiple enemies from uh, all sides of you coming at you and you having to make sure you're going for the right enemy, not getting snuck up on. Um, it, it, it creates this wonderful challenge that grows with you as the player. Um, there, there's also, of course, progression in there for, for players to unlock new abilities and everything. Um, I, I was curious, was was the progression in there um, something that you found out of, of wanting to give players more opportunities as the game went on? Was that something... That was always core to the experience as well, or did that grow as you built out new levels, saw places to, you know, integrate new ideas and new mechanics? How did progression fit into the game? Uh, with the progression, we wanted to make also the player journey. Uh, so through the whole game, you are receiving new weapons, uh, new skills, and also this is the part of exploration that you can find something new through these arenas. Yeah, there's yes. a... Oh, sorry, Merrick. Go ahead. Sorry, once <laughs> again. <laughs> so the, the the thing that I wanted to maybe add here is the fact that the Trek to Yomi is the experience where we give a lot of chances and opportunities to the players. So all is based on our own approach, what kind of experience we want to achieve. So if you go through like simple journey, you can just enjoy the story because you maybe don't want to challenge yourself too much in terms of the combat. But there is also for all those people that like to, you know, dive deeper, that would really like to, to make sure that they went in every single corner of the game, we gave a lot of opportunities for them. Uh, so there are secret shots with uh, combos that you can unlock that gives you more variety and options during combat, as you say, also in terms of like those actions that can be used uh, against group behaviors that we have in Trek to Yomi. So uh, it's all based on our personal approach. Uh, so we find that we crafted the ultimate experience that everyone can find for seeing something for themselves. If they are like a big challenge or they want to be focused more on the story or they want to mix a bit both of those elements together. And in terms of that, um, being able to you know, suit your play style, you can very much just go through from scene to scene and, and hope you can best the enemies as you go through. But uh, as you both have mentioned, uh, there are exploration elements of it where you do get a little bit more of a 3D space to to walk around and to explore. And you can unlock uh, increases to your health, to your stamina, uh, find collectibles uh, that that teach you more about the world. And, and as you've mentioned, also unlock new skills at times as well, which was a nice surprise. It it made the uh, there's even an early without spoiling it for players there is an early uh portion in one of the first levels where i found a way to take care of some enemies by going around a different route that i i hadn't expected and i just stumbled upon it at first without going down the main route because i i look for every little you know area i can go into and it was this really great surprise of, of discovery of, of how to interact with the world 
um, were, were those things that were also very much core to building these levels or, or were those, you know, opportunities to put a small area for a player to discover things that came as, as development went on and, and the levels were refined? Yes, we really wanted to add that secret places to the game uh, because from one point of view, Track to Yomi is like linear experience, but we have a lot of additional ways uh, for the player and very many secret places, really. If you will look for, for the elements in the game, you will find a lot of uh, additional places with also not only the the skills, but you can find uh, additional shrine that, that can help you uh, through the game. You can find additional secret object that can tell you more about the story and about the, the whole place through the game. Everything yeah. was designed. Everything, like Martin said, was uh, put there in purpose. And what uh, we are missing here is uh, the, the last point that you mentioned is uh, the the lore elements that we have in the game. And so every chapter that we have um, gives you opportunity to find up to seven, eight items that can give you more insight about the story, about the Edo period Japan, about the mythology behind Trek to Yomi, and also some snippets of Yomi, which is also a part of our game that we are going through. And that's something that uh, connects us to, to maybe games like um, Dark Souls, when you just get some items and you can craft your own story based on them. We are doing this much more easy, in much more uh, approachable uh, uh, setting that we we are not uh, trying to be very harsh in terms of like uh, cutting the story. Uh, but I think that it gives another layer of experience to track Yami overall. No, absolutely, and especially as I've I've gone through not just for my completionist brain to want to find everything it's been enjoyable to to be able to learn a little bit more about the world and, and the specific locations that you're in and, and how those items will relate to you know events that have happened there or, or, or the people there um that you're hoping to save in, in some scenarios and whatnot um speaking of that and the lore and the story obviously not wanting to give too much away um i feel like that goes a little bit hand in hand obviously with the the love and affection that's shown here for um Japanese samurai cinema and, and film and, and scores, you know, the, the music as well. Um, can you talk a little bit about overall about the studio's approach to, uh, you know, researching the, uh, these locations, the both the films and, and the real world, you know, influences there? How, how did the team dive into exploring all of that? Yeah, so with the team, we initially had, as we mentioned, this approach of doing the research. We went through a lot of movies like uh, Throne of Blood, like Seven Samurai, uh, Harakiri, uh, but not also uh, not only Kurosawa's movies, but also there are uh, others. Like uh, I personally really enjoyed uh, Harakiri, as I said, which is uh, directed by Kobayashi. Um, and not only movies, but as well some manga and anime like uh, Ninja Scroll, like Berserker, or for example, Samurai Champlo. So those were like some of the things that we used in the, in the research. Um, but overall, we really tried to craft something unique, and that would be also our addition to this um, big um, genre, like uh, we say about the old Samurai movies. But this is, will be something connected to the more 
our approach, our vision for uh, Japan in that time and also the story that they wanted to sell in those uh, three approaches because we have choices between love, duty and fury. Uh, this is at some point simplistic form, but also it's also showing you what kind of character you are, what kind of um, hero are you crafting during your journey, going through all those chapters, and what kind of consequences you are dealing at the end of the Trek Theomi. So we really wanted to put big emphasis on that element. Yes, this, this first part of research was very nice. We spent a lot of time watching very good movie and talking uh, about the camera movement, about the direction, about the effects. Uh, we talked about the old movies, but for example, also last uh, Mad Max, uh, there was the version with black and white. It was very good movie for us to to see how they can create the the contrast and everything move from the color to the black and white. Yeah, well, the um, as, as you both have mentioned, the um, way that attention to detail translates into the game you're playing, and it both makes sure everything is communicated very well to the player, but also creates a, a wonderful mood and atmosphere uh, that I think from scene to scene either heightens or, or lowers, depending on how much danger you're in. It, it really captures all of those elements very well. And I've been having a great time playing through, ma slowly mastering the combat. I've, I've definitely been uh, surprised by an attack or two and then just unable to parry. I lose instantly the ability to parry somehow. But uh, it's it's been a lot of fun to play through. And hopefully everyone out there will get a chance to check out Trek the Yummy very soon as well. Thank you both again so much for joining me. It was, it was a blast to talk with you both. Thank you very much for having us. 5th of May is coming close, so we all hope that you will enjoy our track Yomi that was developed for a really long time, and we can't wait to see your reactions. Yes, the game is on the server right now. We really want people to finish track Yomi, just how people enjoy watching a good movie to the final scene. It's all about the having player to get to know the story, choosing their own ending, all stunning great vistas and defeat many enemies <laughs> it's it's been a blast to do so far on my part and i hope everyone out there gets a chance to do uh do just that as well so thank you both again for joining me and i'll throw right back to me for the rest of the episode take care thanks bye thank you jonathan as always for your wit and charm and compliments on my appearance i appreciate it greatly um again i have to stress four hour interviews is probably a little too much dude you you've the you, that interview was longer than the game Okay. I was just really surprised that he got the developers to play Limbo in the middle of it. It was just really strange. <laughs> That's Not the real trick to Yomi. <laughs> They're both black and white, so it just made sense. Um, uh, Mark, I will say it's all about that algorithm watch time. So, hey, if if people watch five hours of a show, we, we got them in the bag for the rest of our lives. That's how it I'm just going to mention, like, I we know how to edit, so making us sit here for four sure. hours while the interview plays as b-roll is yeah. is a little much like i had other things to do today but you've missed lunch fine. but you know <laughs> i think yeah. it was worth it um before we yes. wrap up i do have a memory card story from kier uh kier is not as they say the evil corporate overlord kier from severance uh but kier mm -hmm. wrote in mm -hmm. with a memory card story 
uh, with a nice compliment for you, Jada, as well. So I'll get there in a sec. But of course, if you'd like to write in a memory card story about your happy, weird, sad, wacky, whatever memories of your PlayStation gaming life, you can do so at beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card, and we'll read them on the show each week. Uh, anyway, Kier said, uh, I am the corporate overlord of a little po- uh, poster company, though. Uh, anyway, a couple of years ago, Jared Petty, which I, I did not know he guessed it on the IGN UK podcast, but Jared Petty and Dale Driver from uh, IGN UK podcast gave some advice very similar to the advice Jada and Neil Jones gave recently. Uh, they all said if you want to work in the games industry, find your niche, be willing to put in lots and lots of effort, and just keep going. Uh, I'm a window cleaner in South Manchester, England, not too far away from Lego's TT games, uh, but my job has nothing to do with them. Uh, Dale said on an IGN podcast, don't worry about what you do for a living now and just be willing to learn, as he used to work in the steel industry before working at IGN. Um, I could see that. Anyway, <laughs> I took Jared and Dale's advice, and again, I will have to go listen to this because I do not remember Jared being on that podcast. Uh, at the start of lockdown 2020, I was able to start an online gallery selling officially licensed poster art with the help of my friend and business partner, James. We now work with Hasbro and Sega, and we were able to participate in the Sonic 30th anniversary, making posters to celebrate it. Uh, I've been able to work with artists like Doali, Tom Wallen, and Matt Ferguson, and that blows my mind. I know the way I work in the games industry is a bit strange in comparison to yourselves, a game journalist or, like Neil, a game dev, but I found my niche. I just wanted to write in and say that if any of the listeners out there doubt whether they can too, they should take Jada and Neil's advice very seriously. Thanks for all the hard work uh, everyone puts into at Team Beyond. So thank you so much, Sukir. That just uh, that that uh, that's making me cry more than everything all everywhere all at once last night. Thank you very much, Kier. Um, I'm hiding my face because I am trying not to tear up. Um, that is amazing. Um, please uh, tweet at us like the the website because I would love to check it out and see some of your stuff. That would be really cool. I'm potentially gearing up for a move in the you know near future, and I'm really looking forward to like plastering my walls with some awesome posters. So please, 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 please. Uh, when this podcast goes live, tweet at us uh, your website so I can check it out. Yeah, that's a uh, Kier from More Art Gallery. Uh, but yeah, Kier, thank you so much for writing in and uh, for for sharing your story, for letting us know. Uh, congrats on your success. And uh, yeah, if you haven't, uh, a few weeks back, months now, I guess at this point, uh, but go listen to Jada's awesome interview with uh, Neil uh, about uh, Aerial Knights Never Yield. Uh, there you go. I always yeah. got to make sure the, the name is in the name of the game. Uh, really fun, endless runner <laughs> type game uh, that I had a lot of fun with. And I need to go back after the recent update to get that platinum. But uh, yeah, thank you yeah, so the- much, Kier, for writing in. Sorry, Jada, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I actually checked it out uh, last week, checked out the new update. Stuff is cool. It's a lot of the really cool things. You can get into the bonus stages without having to play levels for that trophy that a lot of people have been missing. That's um, the one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you can just jump right into bonus stages. There's like four or five bonus stages. There's an endless mode, I believe now. Uh, there's a lot of really good stuff in that update. Uh, so definitely highly recommend Aerial Knights Never Yield. Yeah. Go play it. Uh, and with that said, uh, before we wrap up, just wanted to mention uh, some some cool content you should go check out. As I mentioned, my op-ed about the Square Enix deals up. But also please go check out uh, a really, really awesome piece that is sort of the uh, history of Gran Turismo. We we did a similar one for uh, Forza when Forza Horizon came out last year. Uh, this one's a little bit timed, obviously, with Gran Tur- the new Gran Turismo. Uh, go check it out. It's an excellent piece. Uh, it's both an article and a video, so you can see it on IGN and YouTube as well. Uh, anything else from either of you that you want to shout out before we wrap up? No. Uh... I'm working with freelancers to work on pieces, and so it's fun, but you know nothing 
Nothing to shout out. Elden Ring stuff. If you can believe it, it is May 4th and we are still in full Elden Ring mode. If it, <laughs> you have any curious ideas what it's like to work on the gameplay team for IGN. We still I just beat Radon. I just beat I just finally took down Radon last night. That was uh Oh, cool. Really nice. easy fight. I was really surprised how easy that fight was. It's um, so funny. Like most people e- either get are you being completely stuck on him easy? or yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you being sarcastic? No, not sarcastic. Okay. No, I literally rolled him. I like okay. literally, oh, nice. I literally, I went in, I hit him with uh, some rot and some poison, and I just watched mm-hmm. his health tick down while I just kind of walked away from him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. A lot of people either like win. completely roll him or have a lot of trouble. I'm like you. I think I beat him on like my second try. Like, I was like, yeah. huh, I might have been over leveled. And I know that that's like a big thing with from software mm-hmm. games where it's like, you know, if you're over leveled, was... it didn't count. But like <laughs> they, with Elden Ring, you do so much exploring that you end up do becoming over leveled for a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was the same. But yeah, that's a it fun ca- fight. Um, if you beat him, you full. beat him. Exactly, hundred exactly. percent. It counts. Doesn't matter how you do it. You get the W. You get the W. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the only thing I have to share is a tease at something pretty cool that's going to be starting potentially their next week or the week after on IGN. So I'll have more uh details and i think a lot of our listeners will want to start coming to ign to uh participate i think it's gonna be a really cool thing so well we'll we'll reveal more when we can but for now that's a fun tease to hang on uh and also a tease for next week a cliffhanger this week's trophy test question as i mentioned it's star wars themed for may the 4th uh this is a trophy from star wars jedi fallen order which mark i know you've said you've only played an hour of so i think this will Whoa. go really well uh i will look for answers next week so please tweet at me uh i'm at jm dornbush mark is at mark underscore medina jade is at jada underscore rena uh tweet at me or all of us the answer or email into beyond at ign.com which of these is the real name of this trophy for reference the trophy uh description is explore the crashed venator I don't know if it's Venator or Venator, whatever, but you explore the crashed Venator. Is it mm-hmm. visiting Alderaan places or mm-hmm. searching Mustafar and wide? <laughs> or Mustafar and wide, excuse me. Who's coming up with the fake answers? Is it you? It's me. Yes. It's pretty good. Thank That's you. That's very well, good. Tell like me both which of those, one... Both of those sound great. So. <laughs> tell me which one is the real one next week. And join us next week for Beyond, which goes live every Wednesday on IGN, YouTube, all your favorite podcast services, and in your hearts as well. But Mark, thank you so much for joining me. Jada, thank you so much for joining (laughs) me. And Red, thank you, our producer, for making the show happen behind the scenes. And of course, thank you to everyone else out there for listening and watching. We hope you're doing well. We hope you're staying safe. And as always, Beyond. Beyond. Beyond.